Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. Oh, baby. What is up, Buffalo Fanatics? Z-Bot here with you. Live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel on a victory Monday night. A victory that counts the same as the rest, but it doesn't feel the same as the rest. A victory Monday, nonetheless, here on the smoke break. So good to have you in fresh off the Bills. Narrow, might I say lucky victory on Sunday night football in Orchard Park over the G-Men. 14-9 to in one of the worst football games you'll ever see. That was a nightmare. That was 60 minutes of pure, disgusting filth. And the Bills somehow come out on top of the pile of crap that was that game last night. Anybody who was a non-Bills, non-Giants fan, how you endured 60 minutes of that last night, I'll never know. Tip of the cap to you. You're like me. You'll watch even the worst of the worst. But holy hell. That was abysmal ball, and the Bills did their fair share of making it look as bad as it actually did. Victory nonetheless. Like I said, 4-2, second place in the AFC after the Miami Dolphins throttled the Carolina Panthers. And uh, right there, once again, still at the top of the division. Another freaking ad, of course, that wants to talk over me. If it happens one more time, this computer is going off of the back porch. Holy hell. Can't even have a stat sheet up these days without somebody trying to sell me something. Every damn week. Good to have you in here on the Smoke Break. Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. 14-9 your score last night. In a victory that felt about as much of a loss as a victory could feel like. Let me start off with the silver lining, I guess. The, um, the pros here, right? Let's just start there. Because at the end of the day, this was a victory. I thought I was going to, last week, I thought I was going to be sitting here with you tonight with the Bills having a four and two record. I am sitting here with you tonight and the Bills have a four and two record. And you look across the league and there are teams that yesterday lost games they should not have lost. The San Francisco 49ers get their first loss of the year, missing a game winning field goal as time expires. The Philadelphia Eagles turn the ball over every single possible opportunity they had. All they had to do was run the clock out at the end. Jalen Hurts throws a pick in a situation where why they were throwing, you'll never know. The Jets upset the Eagles. There's another one. Um, You look around this AFC right now, and there has not been a consistent team to be found. Every single team is vulnerable. Every single team has had a terrible game, and the majority of the really good teams in the AFC have had numerous terrible games. The Bengals somehow escape. The Seattle Seahawks yesterday, despite the fact that Seattle had the ball in the red zone five times, only got one touchdown in those five trips. These teams that are at the top of the uh, conference have been playing some pretty horrendous football over the month, the, the first month and a half here. 
And the Bills have done their fair share of that as well. But they are 4-2 and two nonetheless with two winnable games coming up. Very winnable games. They're nearly 10-point favorites on the road at Gillette this coming week against the New England Patriots. They'll be back at home under the lights against Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They'll be heavy favorites in that game as well. And they, if they win those two games, it'll put them at 6-2. and two. That is the exact spot that they were in last year. And that will be their record heading into Cincinnati if, you know, everything goes the way it should. Now, according to Vegas and according to where our heads were last night, the way things should have gone, it should have been over at halftime. Kyle Allen should have been in the game, not because Allen had to go to the concussion tent, but because the game is over in the fourth quarter and Kyle Allen comes in and hands the ball off to end the game. Last night was atrocious. And, you know, I had said last week in that London game, I'm not one to make excuses. I absolutely hate the, the people after a loss who want to just chalk the L up to excuses and excuses alone. We saw plenty of that last week. However, I had felt that there had never been more available excuses to be had than there were last week. You had Travis Etienne himself tell Mike Florio that he felt that they were at a tremendous advantage being in London for an entire week. He said he could feel it in his body. Uh, it was no secret. The Jags were at an advantage last week. It's not the reason they won an advantage nonetheless. And in this league where every given Sunday, you have no idea what's going to happen. I'd much rather be on the side uh, of the advantage than be at the disadvantage. So there were plenty of excuses to be had last week. And I had said, I don't know how much to put into this game because there are a variety of factors surrounding it that are not typically surrounding the, the majority of the games the Bills will play. I said, I don't know how much we can chalk up to this being jet lag, the turf, the J the Jags being over there for however long, whatever. So fine, right? This is the game where you put all that to bed. You go out against the Giants who let's lay out what the Giants have been, okay, through the beginning of the season here. The Giants had held a lead this season for only 19 seconds, 19 seconds. Against the Buffalo Bills last night, they held the lead until the first play of the fourth quarter. These New York Giants had allowed at least 24 points to their opponent in every single game going into last night. The Buffalo Bills had zero points on the scoreboard until the first play of the fourth quarter. It was as embarrassing of a, of a W as you could possibly have. And the fact that we're sitting here tonight discussing a W is incredible to me. That is a game the Buffalo Bills have conditioned us to be prepared for a loss in every single time. Let's talk about that real quick. The game is finally seemingly in hand, which this game should have felt in hand from the, the coin toss, and it didn't feel in hand. It never felt in hand, but you could have argued you felt comfortable with the Bills winning when the Bills had the ball uh, towards the end of the game with less than two minutes left, and all they had to do was get a first down to end it. First down run, couple yards. Second down run, almost no gain. Third down, anybody who wants to blame Ken Dorsey for drawing up that play, you, you got to get your head out of the gutter. A beautifully designed, designed play. Josh Allen is a MVP caliber quarterback, an unquestionable top five player in this league. That ball has got to be thrown better in that situation. Dawson Knox is a highly paid tight end in this league. Despite the ball being poorly thrown, 
A professional tight end needs to catch a ball that is in his hands. Neither lived up to the task on that play. A bad throw and a non-catch. And you know, in that moment, the Bills are going to Bills this one up, aren't they? They're going to Bills this one out of the park because we have seen time and time again the Billsian losses. Now, luckily for us, during the Josh Allen era, there have been less, but there have been some heartbreakers. You could argue that the ones during the Josh Allen era have been even more heartbreaking than some of the pre-Josh Allen era ones, i.e. 13 seconds. That was, that was a quintessential Bills L baking in the oven yesterday. But you still think to yourself, all right, man, you know, T-Bass, who's been kicking the ball better than him through the beginning of the season here? If he makes this, I don't anticipate the New York Giants going the length of the field in a minute and a half, scoring a touchdown, and then getting the two-point conversion in order to bring this game into overtime. The second you see that ball drifting wide right, and I, I preface wide right because you know exactly where the narrative was going to go this morning. Prime time against the New York Giants, who just so happened to be wearing the throwback uniforms, the same helmets they were wearing in the, in the 90s Super Bowl, right? Wide right. And you're thinking to yourself, Bills are losing this game. Bills are losing this game. And you want to know what? They deserve to lose that game last night. The New York Giants outplayed the Buffalo Bills almost the entire game. You could argue really the entire game. You can't argue outcoached because both coaches last night were, were, in a, were in a chess match of who could F it up the most. Brian Dable took home the trophy last night. We'll talk more about that, of course, throughout the night here. Horrendous coaching job by Brian Dable. And it's ultimately the reason, in my opinion, the New York Giants lost this game last night. But you're thinking to yourself, the Bills had all the opportunity in the world that final drive to just end the game. Just get the hell out of there. You played so bad, but you're going to win get out of there. Instead, they missed that field goal. They missed that third down conversion opportunity. And the Tyrod Taylor led New York Giants have the opportunity to go the length of the field and win this ball game. And you're watching it unfold, right? The prevent style defense that we see every team for some reason, every single time they're in this scenario, they run it every time dink and dunk and you get, you understand it, right? You can't allow the, 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 the big play, but you're also playing a Giants team that just has nothing to be nothing to show for it as far as the ability to, to, to nail you on a big play to win that ball game. They allow Tyrod Taylor to dink and dunk and dink and dunk all the way down into the red zone. Okay. So it's third down. Tyrod gets out of the pocket. He breaks through the, the line of scrimmage. He's on the run out of bounds, two seconds remaining on the clock. And this to me right here, this is where in my mind, I know something bad's going to happen. And sure enough, something bad, of course, happened. That was pass interference on Benford. I got a ton of people on Twitter trying to tell me that was an, a ticky-tack, iffy pass interference. He never turned around and his hands were all over the receiver. They call that every time, which makes the next play that much more confusing to me. But they call that every time. I mean, do you watch football? Do you not anticipate, did you watch the Jaguars game a week ago? Did you not sit there and anticipate to see a yellow flag on the field after every single snap concluded? Because I sure as hell did. And I just knew it was going to happen. He never turned around. His hands were all over the receiver. 
And so then you're thinking uh, just, this is, this is so classic and untimed down on the one yard line where all they had to do a handful of plays earlier was just complete a wide open ball to Dawson Knox. And then you had another opportunity to just go up a touchdown. Could not do that. And what unfolds on this play? I, I, I don't know what to tell you. You can call it a break. Do I think it was a break? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I, I think, I think that. Because, and I, I was just on the AFC's roundtable before this, and this is what I said. It benefited the Bills last night. It, it was, this is how unbelievable the officiating is in the NFL through the first year. And every time I tweet about it or say something about it, everybody just thinks you're bitching about the Bills and you're just whining and complaining. It's not just the Bills. Watch the entire league. Watch a different game that's not Buffalo. This is happening every week. It's happened in numerous Chiefs games. It's happened in numerous Bills games, the ones that we've all, of course, watched very closely. It happens every single week in the majority of these games. And you watched on back-to-back plays that a play that looked like pass interference was called, and the play, the following snap, looked exactly like pass interference, and it was not called. It makes no sense. The officiating currently in the NFL right now as it stands is some of the most inconsistent I've ever seen. They have got to find a way to nail it down. If I'm a Giants fan today, I'm sick to my stomach. Now, frankly, if I'm a Giants fan, I'm honestly, you know, as I take a step back, I'm probably happy we lose that game. Hopefully management takes advantage of a top 10 draft pick the further up they go with these losses and they are not showing any signs of being a team. That's not going to probably be a top five draft pick coming up this, this next draft here. So, you know, silver lining there, I suppose, but at the same time, you know, no fans watching that hoping to lose. We all remember what it was like for the bills uh, for 20 some odd years of mediocrity, no matter how much you thought it would benefit the bills to lose a certain game. You never sat there and wanted to lose because in the moment you just can't, you can't stomach it. Uh, And last night you could very much argue that the New York giants, We're boned on that play, but I'll say this to Giants fans and any logical Giants fan would reason with this. It never should have came down to that. The coaching from Brian Dable before the half, allowing Tyrod, a backup quarterback at this point in his career, the ability to check out of a play with no timeouts and only 14 seconds remaining before the half is egregious. You were the coach of the year last year. You have your former team right where you want them. You can go up at bare minimum two scores. You can at bare minimum go up nine, nothing here at the most. You're on the one yard line. You can go up 13 to nothing against the Buffalo bills. Instead, you go up six to nothing with nothing to show for that drive. Egregious. The New York giants lost the game right there. So I understand wanting to bitch about the no call and stuff, but coming from somebody who never makes an excuse for the bills, who tries to never find excuses anywhere uh, surrounding any Bills game or, frankly, anywhere else, because I just think it's a crock of shit. It's an easy way to accept a loss. That, to me, is where the game was lost. The Bills do not win that game last night if they throw the ball three times with 14 seconds left, because at the bare minimum, you're up 9 nothing, and that would have translated in that drive where they do not score a touchdown to be a drive in which they would have only needed a field goal to win that game. Brian Dable coached that game away last night. I understand wholeheartedly how Giants fans got to be feeling today. They got to be feeling hosed, and I get it. You'll rewatch that play, and I, I, that is a play that is more often than not called on the field. 
But as we have seen time and time again in the NFL, when the game is tight and it's down to the last couple of plays, in this instance, the last play, the refs do not want to be the guy who ends up being the reason a game went a certain way. And you got to go into the mind of a ref here because they're humans too. The play before he throws a flag, right? Is he really going to want to throw two in a row? I I mean, you can think about it any way you want. You could also argue that Darren Waller was was hands to the face on on Teron Johnson on that play too. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. (laughs) Because... (laughs) Oh my God. The fact it came down to, I think both team, I think fan bases of both teams today are thinking this. The fact that that came down to that play is sickening. You think that today as a Giants fan, you certainly think that today as a Bills fan. Um, you know, I'm sure the excuse, I haven't looked at the chat yet. I'll get there in a second, see what your guys' thoughts are. But I'm sure the excuses that have been made, I haven't been on social media much today and I haven't been in the chat yet, but I'm sure some of the excuses being made are, you know, Brian Dable knows this offense better than anybody. They were prepared, you know, uh, this, that, and the third. Guys, the, the, the Buffalo Bills were 16-point favorites in that game yesterday. They never had the lead until the fourth quarter. And by an eyelash, an eyelash cut in half, by, uh, I don't know, a pair of scissors, what the hell ever, that they win that game. I mean, it, that is inexcusable. I understand having stinkers throughout the season, but we are now six games in, and the Bills have had three of them. They're lucky that they are not three and three. I do not understand the current state of these Buffalo Bills. I have three weeks to show you proof that the Bills, when they decide to do whatever they decided to do from weeks two to uh, four, they are the best team in the in football. I also have proof in the Jets game, the Jaguars game, and this game yesterday to show you that when they are not doing what is expected of them, they are a mediocre to bad performing football team. I don't know what to make of these guys. They have yet to show us any sort of middle ground. And if you go back and rewatch what I had said immediately after the, the, the Raiders game, I had said we now have a horrendous performance and an extraordinary performance. When are we going to get a medium? Because you can't expect the Bills to play the way they did from weeks two to four. You can't expect them to play as bad as they did in week one and in week five and in week six. Yet here we are. We have six games and half of them have been horrendous and half of them have been about, about as good as you could possibly have imagined. What are the Buffalo Bills heading into week seven? I don't know. I don't know. I will say the silver lining in this, as I look around the rest of the AFC, I don't know what any of these teams are. Are the Kansas City Chiefs good? I don't know. Are the Cincinnati Bengals any good? I I, I don't know. The AFC right now, to me, is an an utter crapshoot. We'll see what the Chargers look like tonight against the Cowboys. Lately, the Jags have been coming into form, but the first month for them was below average at best. There has not been a consistently good team in this AFC through the first uh, six weeks of the NFL season here. Every single team has looked bad at times. So I don't know. I have no idea. The Bills right now, just based on the surrounding aspects, are as in good of a place today as they were two weeks ago after drubbing the Dolphins. As far as outside circumstances are concerned, you're not as, excuse me, you're not as, you're not in as good of a place without Tredavious White, Daquan Jones, and uh, Matt Milano, that's for sure. 
but they're four and two, which you looked at the beginning of the year and you really couldn't have argued with a four and two start. I, I guess. I don't know. Uh, what I'm trying to get at is right now heading into a very winnable game, which you, I mean, now I don't even know what to say here, but you very much should destroy the Patriots. We'll see what happens. You very much should beat the Bucs. You're, you're in the driver's seat to cruise to six and two right now. You're signing up for that at any, at any given time. I look around the rest of the AFC right now, and I don't know what to make of the entire conference. I have no clue. But the Bills, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what to make of it. I want to say they're not as bad as they were last night, but they've been that bad in three games. I want to say they're as good as they were against the Dolphins, Commanders, and Raiders, but they've only been that good in those three games. We haven't seen any sign of the ability to gravitate towards a middle ground, and you hope that that evolves as the season goes on. Because if this continues and you get into the playoffs, you can't rely on the Bills just destroying teams to go the distance. Because the, the games are going to wind up surfacing to be more like what they were the last couple of weeks. Close, right? Defensive battles, having to make big plays and big moments in order to, in order to win the football game. You're not going to destroy teams in the playoffs unless they're the New England Patriots like the Bills did a handful of years, a couple of years ago. It's not going to happen. But, you know, all of these teams, like I, like I said, the Chiefs, no clue. The, the, the Bengals, no clue. Let's see how high and mighty those Dolphins are who all of a sudden are back to, they're back to the mountaintop after beating the hell out of uh, the, the Carolina Panthers, almost unarguably the, the, the worst team in football. We'll, we'll see, you know, and they, and they rolled the Giants last week. I, I get it. The Bills didn't roll them, but they rolled the Dolphins. The amount of Dolphins fans I have seen getting on the Bills' ass for narrowly beating the Giants is hilarious to me. Because if the Bills are that bad, what the hell does that make you? You lost by 28 to them. So the logic really isn't clicking there. And I understand there, there isn't a whole lot of logic in that fan base. I, I, I do understand that. Um, but we'll, we'll see what the Dolphins look like against the Philadelphia Eagles coming off a brutal loss. They'll be fired up. I'll be very interested to see how that one goes. Because do we know what the, the Miami Dolphins are? I don't think so. They beat some of the worst teams in the league. And when they had to play one of the better ones going into that game, they got their ass absolutely handed to them. So we'll see what happens against the reigning NFC champs this coming week. The overarching point here is what is the AFC right now? What are any of these teams? They're almost all identical, and it's very, very confusing. You could not – I couldn't make a bet right now on anybody to go to the Super Bowl. I would not have an accurate guess for you. I have no clue. I guess the easy answer would just be the Chiefs have done this before, and they're the most seasoned. They'll get, they'll get over it. I don't know. That'd probably be the easiest guess, but – I mean, there have been games from the Chiefs as of late where I, I don't know what I'm watching, but it certainly isn't vintage Kansas City Mahomes. Uh, it just is not. So uh, let's, let's get to some comments, and then we'll, we'll get really in, in depth into last night and all the ins and outs of what we saw last night. Let's see what you guys are talking about here in the chat. Let me know last night where you were going into that final drive for the Giants. Where was your confidence level, and did you feel like me where you just felt like this was going to be a Billsian loss? Because that had vintage Bills lose on final play type outcome written all over it. Looking through here, can't get right. He says, FNA, a bipolar team is a horribly realistic description of your team. Yeah, I mean, that is dead on. Bipolar would be exactly right. You have the absolute highs of highs, the absolute lows of lows. And I have not seen an absolute shred of a middle ground. I've never seen, have we seen anything like this before? 
You know, I'm trying to find a, a former example. Has, has a team ever looked this good in this bad at the same time? And this is the interesting part about last night, too. The easy argument would be, right, they do this against the Jags last week who come back home and they beat the shit out of the Colts yesterday, which actually shocked me. Colts have been playing good ball. I thought the Jags come home. They might be a little sluggish. Not the case. They win that game by 17 points. So maybe the Jags are a lot better than given credit for through the first month. Maybe they're hitting stride. But nonetheless here, if, if, if the Bills, say last night the Bills play like that and they were playing the Bengals. Say that Bengals game in a couple weeks was replaced with last night. So say the Bills lose that game the way they do to the Jags and then lose the game last night the way they played um, to the Bengals, right? The easy narrative would be the Bills cannot play well against good defenses and overall good teams. The, Do the Dolphins are a good team. They are not a good defense. They are not a good defense. They fell down 14-0 yesterday, the worst team in the NFL. They're not a good defense. I don't get the argument. Everybody's trying to tell me the Dolphins have a better defense. I, I watch them every week. The defense is horrid. And the Bills exploited the hell out of it. It's a bad defense the Bills took advantage of, right? So you have three games where the Bills played subpar defensive teams and they beat the hell out of them. So the easy answer, of course, would be that. But last night, I have an example of a Bills team playing against one of the worst teams in football, a team that has not had a lead for a full minute this entire season, a team, like I said earlier, who at the bare minimum had been allowing 24 points a game. That's who these Bills did it against. So that, to me, is what's awfully confusing. It'd be easy to just, it'd be easy to, uh, to, to give some sort of reasoning to that type of game last night if it was against one of the better teams and you're just looking at it and saying, man, the Bills are just not, they're not there this year. They're not playing well against good teams. That is a bad football team last night, a horrendous football team. And, and the Bills were on par with them the entire game and were lucky to walk out of there with a victory. So I, I don't know. There is, there is no rhyme or reason to it. There's just no rhyme or reason to it. And, you know, you, you go in this week, and, and this is a game to me. You go in against New England, and it's going to be the same thing, in my opinion. New England lost 34 to nothing to the New Orleans Saints a week ago. They have been getting destroyed. This Patriots team is historically bad. If the Bills go in next week and beat this team by three, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I don't know what to make of it. This is a game to me. Going into next week, you got to cover that spread. The Bills are nearly 10-point favorites. You have got to beat the Patriots by 10. You have got to show the ability of a bounce back. They did it. This is what's so odd to me. They did it. They, they, they laid that egg against the, the Jets in week one, and immediately, they immediately came out the following week and strung together three consecutive dominant performances. So you would have anticipated after a lackluster performance in Jacksonville, you are set up with a very similar opportunity, right? A home game in a game where you are a massive favorite against a much inferior team and you get back on track. And it was not that it was the complete opposite. So you have got to see some sort of, some sort of rewriting of the ship this coming week, because everybody is beating up on the Patriots. If the bills can't, then I don't know what to tell you.
It's so odd. Two weeks ago, just I, I had felt so confident in saying that I had never been more confident about where the Bills currently were and their trajectory in which they were about to embark on. I, I had never been more confident. And the reason I said that is because they had not shown a single um, shred of what they had displayed in week one, and they had been kicking the living hell out of teams in back-to-back-to-back weeks on both sides of the ball. So to me, as soon as you do that to the to the Dolphins, who had just come off a 70-point game, how could I not say, hey, the week one Bills that we saw, that seems like a distant memory. I mean, I got to tell you, we now, we now have the exact same sample size on both sides of the coin. So we're right back to not knowing what this Bills team is. Heading into week five, you had every right to say this Bills team is one of the best in the league. I got one example of a real shit performance. I got three consecutive examples of utter dominance. Now I got three on both sides. And I guess the Patriots game could be the, uh, the tiebreaker. I don't know. But. This team on the offense to me is uh, is is really making absolutely no sense. I don't understand how a team that can score over 120 points in three weeks can all of a sudden just lose the entire ability to do almost anything. How you don't have a single point against the New York Giants going into the fourth quarter of that game is it's unfathomable inexcusable it, it is absolutely unbelievable i don't know about you but i had felt going into the second quarter after the first quarter had ended i could not believe the bills hadn't scored there would be two more full quarters before they would score this is now back-to-back weeks where a banged-up defense has, has somehow stepped up to the plate, and they, they showed heart, they showed grit, and they did what mattered in order to keep this game where it was. You know, last week, the Jags outplayed the hell out of the Bills on both sides. But when it came down to it, the Bills would make a huge play. Three forced fumbles in Bills territory kept that game close. And every single time the Bills got the ball back, you were just waiting. You were just waiting for the Bills to finally step up and do their part on offense, and they never did. Finally found some sort of semblance with, what, five minutes left in the game when it was far too late. Luckily for the Bills, it was almost identical last night, except they're playing a much worse team in the Giants, so you're able to win a game like that. That's the difference. I mean, if that game last night was against anybody that's not named the New York Giants, the Carolina Panthers, and, and I mean, maybe New England. I don't know. That might be it, though. That really might be it. If you're playing that game against 30 other franchises, you're losing it 10 out of 10 times every single time. I mean, it's not often you lose the turnover battle. You get outgained. Uh, you, you're, the time of possession is not in your favor, and you still win. And that's just a testament to how bad the Giants are. That's a testament to how bad I thought Brian Dable coached that football game last night. Um, but my God, I mean, that that is a game that you lose almost 100 out of 100 times if it's not for essentially the other team being as incompetent as the New York Giants are. And you can say they played a fine football game, and for the most part, they did, but it doesn't matter. 
What they did before the first half is one of the most egregious things you can do in the game of football. Doing what they did, being at the one-yard line with 14 seconds left on the clock and no timeouts and coming away with zero points is as bad of a mistake as you can make in this league. And when you're a team where every single point means everything, the Giants do not score. When you're on the one and can take a 13-0 lead in that game, bare minimum 9-0, it's not like they're uh, – you know, it's not like they're the Miami Dolphins right now, for instance, where if Miami goes and does that before the half, you can expect the Dolphins to come back out in the second half and put some points on the board. You can't expect that from the New York Giants. And of course they didn't. They scored three points the entire rest of the football game. That meant everything. So no matter how well you think the Giants were able to play despite their, their limitations last night, I thought Tyrod played a terrific football game. I think Tyrod throws one of the most underrated deep balls in the league. I had felt that when he was a Buffalo Bill. There is something about his deep ball. It is just a nice watch. It's gorgeous. It's almost always on the money. I've always loved his release. I've always loved Tyrod. I always have. And I thought last night with an offensive line where a guy on Sunday night football's graphic said that he was starting on the Giants offensive line fresh off of his couch. I mean, folks. He wasn't kidding. That guy was working at Jimmy John's last week. The Seattle Seahawks sacked Daniel Jones 11 times in primetime a couple weeks or last week. Was it whatever the hell it was? This Giants offensive line to begin with is terrible. They were already banged up. They literally had a guy who was, I'm pretty sure, an Amazon delivery driver or whatever. He was working a nine to five last week. You can go ahead and fill in whatever job that might be. There's a thousand of them, whatever. I don't care. He was working one of them. He wasn't an NFL football player. And yet somehow they were able to, to, to withstand the Bills D enough to not turn the ball over and really kind of play mistake-free football. I mean, I thought Tyrod, despite, you got to remember, did they play extremely well? No, but this is the Giants we're talking about. There's a different level of expectation. And last night, they looked far better and far more cohesive than they ever did against the Seattle Seahawks, who were on their ass the entire night. I, I couldn't believe Daniel Jones walked out of that game alive. I, I seriously was starting to get sick to my stomach watching him. It was literally like that video, that Scott Sterling video, where he's playing volleyball there. I mean, you all know the video, I'm sure, where he's just getting murdered by the by the volleyball. That's what it felt like watching Daniel Jones against the Seahawks. And that didn't feel like that last night. They just can't score, and they, they can't get out of their own way. If that team was even 15% better last night, they win that game 100 out of 100 times. I understand. I mean, what do you want to be, folks? What do you want to be? Do you want to be the, the first or second round exit, or do you want to finally win one of these goddamn things? Where are you at? Because if you're, if you're on the ladder with me, then last night can't be acceptable to you. It can't. And, I'm, and there's no excuse for what last night was. There's none. You are playing not only one of the worst teams in the league, but they're banged up and they're down to a backup quarterback. And I will preface once again, because I still can't get over this. They had a guy on the offensive line last night who was watching the game like I was on my 
coach last week. And this is what kills me. I thought the defense, for the most part, last night, what more do you want? I mean, honest to God, you allow nine points, six points for the majority of the game. I love everything about this defense, especially now where they're this banged up and they still just find a way. But let's let's be fair here. A defense that we've become accustomed to forcing turnovers, they forced zero last night. And in a moment where it's like, all right, let's just finally end this game here. The Bills go and score, right? Seven to six. And all of a sudden, Saquon Barkley, who hadn't done much of anything the entire night, all of a sudden they go almost 90 yards down the field. And the majority of the yards came on two plays. Folks, they ran the exact same halfback dive five times in a row. And they must have gained 70 yards on it. You can't allow that. I don't care. I love Saquon. You know me, big Penn State fan. Saquon is the best player I've ever seen in person at the collegiate level, ever. I've never, me and my dad had lower bowl end zone seats and the the Penn State was playing a bottom field like they were this past week. They won 63 nothing against UMass. It was one of those type of games. And Saquon returned a kick for a touchdown. I've never seen anything like it coming our way. The guy must have broke seven tackles. It was like he, it was like he had a, uh, an orb over him and you couldn't be touched. It was incredible. The guy's a freak. But it doesn't matter when you're playing behind guys who last week, were watching the game in their basement. And they had bottled them up all game until it seemingly mattered the most. And the giant, and this is another, that drive in particular. And this is where all of us, I, I got to give, I got to give a little criticism to the D. I have to, because there were moments, including the final drive, where it's like, you got to just step up and end this thing. And they couldn't. They let them all the way down the field on that final drive. They let them all the way down the field on that drive coming right off of the Bills' first score of the game. I understand they're banged up. I understand they played a pretty much phenomenal game the majority of that game yesterday. But unfortunately, the state of the Bills right now, this defense almost has to play perfect football to win a game. Because if the offense is going to be playing like it has the last two weeks, you can't expect to win unless the defense is going to continuously bail you out. And last week they did. This week for the majority of it, they did. But there were moments where you're just like unbelievable. Going against this offense and this is happening. Back to another point about Brian Dable and just pissing this game away. To me, this is what separates. Uh, just knowing who you are and not knowing who you are, I guess is the best way to put it on this drive that I'm referring to the giants go all the way down the field. There was a holding on the kick return. The giants start on their own 10 yard line and they would go on to bring the ball all the way down to the red zone like that all on running plays. It is third down in an inch. And this is where I go back to also giving credit to the defense as well for almost always stepping up in a big moment. And yesterday, they pretty much did exactly that at every opportunity. Greg Rousseau, one of the plays of the game. It is a it is a play-action QB draw uh, or whatever, uh, whatever you want to call it, a QB option, I guess. He could have handed it off, whatever he kept it. It looked like it was designed specifically for Tyrod to keep this. He fakes the handoff to Saquon. And Greg Rousseau read that thing like a book. He never overcommitted to the run. He stayed with Tyrod, tackled him for a loss on that third and an inch. Here's where I'm at, okay? It, it's the fourth quarter. I'm currently the one in four New York Giants who haven't been close to winning a game outside of a miracle against the Cardinals where they just shat themselves and sat in it for two quarters uh, in the second half of that game. I'm playing my former team 
in their building, right? And I got an opportunity to beat them with a backup quarterback who just so happened to be the quarterback that ended the drought for that team. And I'm going to line up for a field goal on fourth and one. To me, that's just a lack of awareness. You know who you are, Brian. A win last night's not changing your season one way or the other. So, to me, go all, go all the way out. Go balls out and do everything you can to pull off the upset. You're in the fourth quarter, and it's staring at you in the face. It's yours for the taking. Go for it. And they didn't. They settled for the field goal. And you even heard Tariko and Collinsworth, like they were talking about, you know, everybody else in the league goes for it here. Well, maybe that's why everybody else in the league isn't as bad as the New York Giants are. And I understand the mindset might be we, we can't score. We got to take our points here. I get it. But what's the difference between nine to seven and, you know, seven to six? At that point, you got to anticipate. I would imagine that you're losing that game regardless of the score there because a field goal, uh, whatever. I get it. I guess I get it. The Bills got to go and score a field goal. But if you score a touchdown there, that might have iced the game the way the Bills were playing. So I just thought there was no urgency from Dable last night, and I just thought the play calling in certain situations was was very, very, very questionable. Um, Speaking of questionable play calling, I see these Bills line up in shotgun on the goal line again. I'm putting my... I'm putting my fist through the screen. They line up and shotgun again and run the ball in a, in a situation where a yard or less is needed. I, I, I'm done calling YouTube TV, cancel it, taking the TV off the wall. And I am using it like a bounce house. How can I, someone who, I mean, come on, I couldn't be an offensive coordinator in this league. I don't think I could. But even I know to not run the gun there. You got one of the most freakish human beings on the planet in Josh Allen. They don't breed 6'5", 250 quarterbacks on trees. The guy is a mutant. And you're telling me in a situation where I only need a yard or less, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna run his big ass through that line until I get the yard. And even when they scored, I texted my dad immediately on the Hardy touchdown, which it was a beautiful play. I I, I can't knock it. If, if you remember the Chiefs Eagles Super Bowl, almost an identical play. Except Hardy was lined up in the backfield with the Chiefs. The receiver was lined up on the line of scrimmage. But this, the play, the design is almost the exact same where Hardy runs in as if he's going to be motioning to the other side of the line of scrimmage, but he immediately breaks that motion and goes back out. They don't follow him, immediately walk in for a touchdown. Great design, great touchdown. It doesn't take away from the fact that I hated the call in that situation. You use that type of play when you're going up against a historically great defense and you can't run the ball and you got to get in and you've already tried sneaking it once or twice. If the Bills had tried sneaking it twice and could not get a yard, okay, draw up the, 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 the beautifully designed play to Hardy for the touchdown. Do it. Instead, you show that hand against the Giants instead of just QB sneaking the ball. 
they line up in the gun and run out of the gun at an, uh, in a, just an absurd level. I, I don't understand it. Why is it? What is the benefit? You do not get a head start on the ground coming out of the gun. I, I, don't, I don't believe it. You don't. What's the difference? You're running towards the ball on the handoff under center. So what's the difference between running with the ball and without the ball? You're not getting any benefit out of the gun. You're backing yourself up four or five yards and putting yourself at a disadvantage. Go look at the numbers. This team is unstoppable on our center through the first six weeks. Here's a perfect example. Last night, the Bills are under center. Beautiful play for a chunk for a chunk yardage gain. It was about, a, I forget what the exact play, but it was about a 15-plus yard gain. Under center play action, beautiful. The Bills then immediately go shotgun. Josh Allen throws an interception. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We have to talk about this stuff now after all. This is the be- to me, this is probably the best type of win as we go on here. Like it's a it's a horrendous win, is optically. But it's a good win in the sense that it feels like a loss and McDermott can get on their ass this whole week. Because usually you're able to get on your guys after a, a bad loss, but in this situation, you played bad enough to lose, yet you still won. So you have the benefit of the W, but you can still grill these guys as hard as a loss would um, would equate to just because everybody in that locker room knows that they played absolutely horrendous last night. Uh, I didn't under a couple of things with Dorsey last night, and I can't get too much on him. I, I don't think that he's been bad at all. 
I just think that there have been certain instances where I'm not entirely sure if it's on him or it's on Allen or what the deal is. But here's a couple of things that stood out to me. One in particular is that this team should never, ever, 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 ever be running the ball out of shotgun in a short yarded situation with Josh Allen as the quarterback. I don't understand it. You, you had heard all off season that these Buffalo bills were going to be determined to lessen the amount of runs that Josh Allen was, uh, they were going to lessen the amount of runs that he had each game. Understood. We all agreed in here. Remember, we talked about this a lot. We all agreed that that has to happen in order to protect the longevity of Josh Allen. He cannot be running the ball 12 plus times a game and be a human battering Ram, uh, you know, throughout 17 games worth of football. He just can't do it. It's not going to be sustainable. That So they've done that, right? But what they've done is too much. Instead of lessening it, they've eliminated it. It's almost like they're terrified of him running at all. And if you know these Buffalo Bills, if you know Josh Allen, you know one of the major factors that makes him one of the best quarterbacks on the planet is his ability to move and run the ball. I understand when it's the second quarter or the third quarter and you have the lead or whatever, no, you don't want to be running up a bunch of quarterback options. I completely get it. But when the game is not in hand and when it's on the line and I need a yard or I need a score, why would I not utilize one of the biggest assets that I have on my football team? A guy who can run the ball is better, as good as anybody we've ever seen at the quarterback position. They have eliminated they have eliminated the running. I don't want to see Josh have seven, eight runs a game. I don't. I want to see him have two or three. And I want to see him in real crucial instances. And last night, it to me, when you get down to that one there, I'm just thinking, sneak, sneak, sneak. And they, and they line up in the gun. So that's one thing that stands out to me. The other is it's not even just the, um, the shotgun on the goal line. Frankly, it's it's almost the shotgun in, in its entirety. Th- this team can't run the ball very well out, out, out of shotgun consistently, and they also can't really throw the ball very well out of shotgun consistently. Josh Allen under center this year in the play action has been the best quarterback in the NFL by a country mile. What they're doing under center on the play action is disgusting. They are incinerating teams, yet they're not sticking with it. If it isn't broke, don't fix it. Last night, they couldn't stop the ball. They couldn't stop the run game under Stenner, and they couldn't stop the play action. Yet, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they would just have Allen back in the gun. The other thing, too, last night that I, I thought was unbelievable is that they, they, they were running the ball pretty successfully, and they would just stop running the ball. They would just stop running the ball at all, in general. They were running the ball with, with, with pretty relative success to kick that game off, and they just went away from it. Finally, they got back to it a little bit in the second half, and that resulted in two very methodical, sustained drives in which they scored on. I mean, that first touchdown drive they had, what was it, 18, 19 plays? And they were utilizing the run game very well within that. But early on, it was not that. It wasn't. Now let's talk about the past game and where I don't know, and this is what I'm talking about. 
with Dorsey. I don't know. It, Alan was asked this question last night when he was asked, why were the first 11 of your 16 throws targeted to Stefan Diggs? And Alan pretty much just said, you know, I'm throwing it to the open guy. Okay, fine. Stefan Diggs is one of the best wide receivers in the league. I very much want him to get the majority of the targets every game. That's the way it should be. The offense is built to have him be the first read. Of course it is. He is an unbelievable wide receiver. One of the best in the entire league. And yet again, goes off for another 100-yard performance. I'm pretty sure he's had 100 yards in five of the six games thus far. He's on fire. But what's concerning to me is the lack of creativity, the lack of an ability to draw up anything for anybody else. I'm fine with Diggs taking over and dominating, but what you're noticing here is last night in a game where you just are stagnant on offense, nothing's clicking, nothing's going your way. You can't get anywhere near the red zone. You can't obviously put up any points. It's not going well. How in the hell does every single receiver combined not even come close to the exact amount of catches that Stephon Diggs had himself. Davis had three, Knox had three, three other receivers had one. That totals up to nine. Stephon Diggs had 10 catches. The entire rest of the Buffalo Bills team had nine. You'll also notice if you look at their receiving numbers, there was not a single reception last night by a running back. Not a single one. So that tells me one of two things. And I'm not entirely sure what it is. One, Josh Allen's just looking for digs no matter what. Screw it, we're going to digs. Or two, this offense is, is currently schemed up to where it is going to digs and that's it. There's nothing else in the playbook designed for anybody else. And that might be the reason why Dawson Knox is off to one of the worst starts of his young career. That might be why, despite not playing last night, going into yesterday, Dalton Kincaid has been nowhere to be found as far as getting him involved. I think he's been a tremendous asset in opening up the offense, despite not putting up numbers. But you didn't draft him to just open things up. You drafted him to get involved. And you got a guy like Sam Laporta in Detroit going nuclear and Dalton Kincaid barely gets two, three targets a game at all. Gabe Davis, uh, the fumble yesterday was just awful, but I, I have liked what I've seen from him when he gets a chance. The odd thing is outside of last week where he had just as many catches almost, or I think he might've had as many as digs last week. They are not really scheming up much of anything for him other than, than touchdown plays. It doesn't seem like he's getting any of those over-the-middle throws, those easy throws. If he is, it's far less than Diggs. And then in a game like last night where I got a guy like James Cook who's just as much of an asset in the passing game as the running game, to not even throw him the ball once, I don't, I don't understand it. It's not like they were picking apart this secondary all game. Why are we not dunking it down to... to, to Cook in, in, in trying to get something established here because they had nothing established for three full quarters of football. So I'm not entirely sure. 
I'm not entirely sure. What we saw in the three games where this Bills offense dominated was I, I think almost every one of those games, there was at least 10 different guys who caught a ball. The target share was well diversified with Diggs still leading the way, obviously. And they were running the ball efficiently. Now, last night they were running the ball well. They just didn't stick with it. And Diggs was almost the, the entirety of the offense and the entirety of the scheme. And like I said, I have no problem. I've said this how many times this year. I love the Stefan Diggs show. It's my favorite show. But sometimes I like to be able to browse the channels a bit. And I get it. You know, 10 catches, 100 yards. You're taking that every week. I love it. But it just felt like that was all they had. It felt like there was nothing else. I'd be fine with those numbers if they were also scheming something up for Cook in the short game a couple of times, scheming up, uh, you know, a couple of in routes for Davis, get his confidence up, something to get Dawson Knox involved in this offense. I mean, I understand. I, maybe it's just the Knox thing. I don't know. I, I get it. He had six targets, three catches. Uh, his numbers so far are abysmal. And I think, I think, you know, some of it's on him, certainly some of it's on Allen and some of it's on Dorsey. I think it's a three-way street there. Um, but it's got to be better. It's just got to be better. This is two weeks in a row of real stagnant, slow-paced, stuck-in-quicksand-type football. And, and you cannot continuously keep trying to rely on an offense to get its head out of its ass late in the game in order to win. Two straight weeks where this team doesn't find any semblance at all on offense until late in the game. And they were just lucky last night that it wasn't against the team good enough to take advantage of that. So you're playing New England this week, and it's the exact same scenario again, where you're playing maybe the worst quarterback in football right now. You're playing maybe the worst offense in football right now. A horrendously banged up defense that can't stop really anybody. The, the, the Patriots are horrendous. So are you going to go out once again and stoop down to that level? And are you going to put together a third consecutive stagnant performance? Or are you going to finally go back to what we saw in weeks two and five, two through five or four, two through four, and get that momentum going into bigger games? Cincinnati right around the corner, Kansas City right around the corner, Philly, right? I mean, those are huge games. You got two. You're not going to have a whole lot of these get right games left. You already lost one of them. You should have lost two of them. Both New York teams in get right moments sh should have beaten you. One of them did. Although, hey, I mean, shit, credit to the Jets. Should have beat the Chiefs, beat the Bills, beat the Eagles. That defense is off the charts. I don't know. Nuts. But, uh, you know, you just see what this team is capable of. And then for them to go out and do that in that scenario is what's mo the most disheartening. Um, now, Alan had mentioned something yesterday in his uh, presser that I thought was interesting. He said, we got to get off to faster starts. And that is exactly accurate. If you look at the three victories that they strung together uh, in, uh, in succession there, where they were just blowing teams out, the common thread was that they were off to the races right out of the gate. And what were they doing in order to do that? They were taking what was given to them, dinking and dunking it down the field and moving it methodically, not making any mistakes, also running the ball. It feels like they've gotten away a little bit of what 
away from it a little bit. They've gotten away from what they were doing really well. And, you know, last week you had a bucket full of excuses that you could have used. I get it. Yesterday, you didn't have any at all. You had no excuses to rely on last night. Uh, and they and they are very, very fortunate sitting here today to be a 4-2 and two football team. Jay Mays, live from Florida. Big Giants fan last night. I think he might be a bit happy with the with the loss last night. He probably wants Caleb Williams. Josh is saying, classic Bills year, make the playoffs just to lose. I can't argue against it right now. Then again, though, this is what I said earlier, Jay Mays, if you weren't in here. My only other, my only other rebuttal to that would be, I can't make an argument right now for any AFC team that I could see running the table in the playoffs. All of them, to me, just look like they got... They got something that that is really uh, going to interfere with them at some point. Every one of these teams seem to have an Achilles heel. Which one of these teams is going to be able to cover theirs up for that long enough of a period in order to get it done? That's the question. Bartek, my brother, he's coming in. He's saying, Zeba, I keep hitting the wrong button. Zeba, can I blame it on the post-London stat you mentioned to make myself feel better? Listen, Bartek, you could if the Jags in the same day didn't blow that stat up. So if you hadn't seen the stat, and I thought this was incredibly interesting, there's uh, over at the Action Network, it's one of my favorite apps. It's a sports gambling app. It tracks all your bets and it tracks all the data. But beyond that, what I love the most about it is they have these insane stats that are supposed to help you with betting, you know, like trends and whatnot. But what I like beyond the betting aspect of things is it really allows you to get a deeper look into teams and like in, in how a certain environment or a certain historic trend could affect them. And one that I had saw last week from Brandon Anderson, who's a great follow on uh, Twitter and the action network. If you haven't uh, heard of him before, he had wrote an article about post London games. And he had a stat that was extraordinary to me. 11 out of the last 11 London games, the team coming off of that game without a buy and playing that following Sunday were either tied or trailing going into the fourth quarter, 11 consecutive post-London teams. The Bills would have made that 12 of 12, except yesterday the Jaguars beat the piss out of the Colts, so it negated the stat. That stat got broken. But yeah, Bartek, they were right there. It's still 12 out of 13. Pretty damn good odds to me. But I, I had tweeted along with that stat. I said it would be wild. I said it would be wild to see that happen to the Bills, seeing that they were 16-point favorites. Thought it'd be a bit nuts for that trend to continue for a team that was favored by two touchdowns and two two-point conversions. Sickening. GP saying, fire the chaplain. What am I missing here? What's the chaplain? Somebody want to fill me in on what the chaplain is? Because whoever it is, GP's thinking we got to let him loose. So what do we take away from last night? I don't know if we take away anything. The only thing I'm willing to take away from it right now is a win. You take away a win, a win. Ah, Jack, you got the workaround on the stat. I like where your head's at. Beautifully done. Oh, Chargers, fumble! 
The Cowboys fumble. Oh, listen, I know we shouldn't be rooting for the Chargers, but I'm never going to turn down an opportunity to root against the Cowboys. Come on. You can't root against the Chargers in their powder blues. Unless they're playing the Bills, I got to root for the Chargers. I'm sorry. I love Justin Herbert. Um, anyway, beautifully done, Jack. So the stat is now 12 out of 12 teams who only were in London for one week have still gone into the following week with a, with a tie game or trailing at the fourth quarter. Oh, Pollard was down. No fumble. Um, but hey, shout out to my best buddy, Jay Mays, who's a big Giants fan. He was in the stands last week for that Dolphins drubbing, but he did get to see a Giants pick six on two. It turned the ball over, which made him and his girlfriend's day. And I was very happy for him for that. But Jay Mays was a real good sport last night. And, and you know what? I mean, I, 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 we weren't talking crap because you want to know why. We were texting back and forth last night. And we were just like, is this not the worst thing you've ever seen on, on both sides? And, and, and I truly felt that way. That was some of the worst football that you'll ever watch. It was just so bad. The flags, the poor coaching, the inability to score, the lack of an ability to take advantage of any opportunity given to you, even the missed, I mean, the miss, everything down to Bass. I mean, when's the last time Bass has had a bad day ever? I mean, that's how bad it was. It was just so bad. It was unwatchable. And unfortunately, last week against the Jags felt the same way. It just felt like it was unwatchable ball and how anybody could watch that game that isn't a fan of the two teams. I don't know. Silas is coming in with a, with a point that I think a lot of people have right now. I am not there. Silas is saying Ken Dorsey is a fraud. He should be replaced. Silas, if you don't mind, as I talk about this a bit here, let me know in the comments your reasoning behind it. I get it to a degree. There's moments where you're going to be like, hey, come on, Ken. And last night, there's a few. Like I mentioned, shotgun on the goal line, inexcusable. Not designing anything for anybody other than digs, it seems. I don't know, right? I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Not sticking with the run game, I don't know. But I also had three consecutive games in a row where I saw Dorsey scheme up the right opportunities for Josh Allen to take advantage of. And guess what? They took advantage of it. Last night, there seemed to be moments where they did not take advantage. The first or second drive was it when Davis fumbled. The Bills seemed to have a rhythm to it, and then they fumbled. The final drive where the Bills could ice the game, Josh Allen rolls to his right. Dawson Knox is wide open. All he's got to do is put it on his chest, and Allen misses it. And I think that stuff gets baked into the overarching idea that Ken Dorsey has been horrendous. I don't think he has. That play in particular to me stands out because that's an extraordinarily designed play call that was not executed by this offense. I don't know, has Dorsey been, am I going to sit here and say Dorsey's been great? No, but I'm not going to sit here and say, say he's uh, fireable right now. I don't think he is. Um, and here's the reason why I, I say this. How can we go hardcore on one side or the other when I have three guys, I have three games that were horrendous and three games that were really good. Right now, I got to think because of that, the jury's out on Dorsey. I'm right down the middle here right now. We got to let the season play out. But there are some things that I completely understand. I understand the inability to get all your personnel involved. That's standing out. The shotgun, uh, the continuous shotgun that's not working, I understand. The seemingly inability to stick with what's working consistently. I understand that too. And then to me, you know, getting too cute and getting too, you know, you, you're doing 
you're doing the most is what it seems like in 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 the uh in the short yardage red zone situation where why don't you just take advantage of the quarterback that you have on your team instead of scheming up a bunch of BS out of the gun that isn't necessary. You know, not every play needs to be some iteration of the Philly special just because you're on the one yard line. You got a human giant at quarterback. Run the guy into the end zone. Well, I got I got Dallas and and uh and the Chargers on right now. I just love I just I can't stand Dallas. I never I could I never will. Never never have never will. Um so yeah, and I, Silas is coming back in here. He's got his uh, he's got his points here. Let's see it. So Silas says Dorsey continues to ignore the advanced analytics of having Josh under center. That I agree with, hundred percent. The Giants were thirty first in defending against the run. He refuses to stick with. So you and I are on the same. We're on the same wavelength here. Dorsey not the best night last night. There's no denying that. I mean, I am on hundred percent the same wavelength as you are. But fireball, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I have seen good. I have seen good. And I got to be honest with you, uh, Silas, what you're saying right there to me, I completely agree with you, but doesn't it seem like it's probably the easiest of fixes? It seems like to me, an easy fix would be, hey, let's just stay under center. How much, how much effort does that entail? I'm guessing not an extraordinary amount. He's just got to do it. We'll see if he does. But you don't have to completely rework your entire mindset in order to, to, to get that done. And then the other thing, same exact idea. Not sticking with the run. 100% agree with you. Can we see if he can just say, hey, let's stick to it? Now, if this continues to happen over and over and over again, then we start talking about making a switch. But to me, these are easy adjustments. Is he going to make it easy on himself? Time will tell. I think we got a few examples of really good, really good coaching at times. We got some examples of some real iffy stuff as well. Last night, to me, though, I think everybody, I think there, a lot of people had their, their hand in the stew. And they were stirring their spoons. Can we also say another thing, too? And not anybody else will say that just because of how bad the, the, the Giants have been. Giants defense isn't all that bad. Giants defense isn't all that bad at all. And they played their ass off last night. They, they, they did not make it easy at all at any given time. That is not a horrendous defense at all. They get lumped into that horrendous offense that can't score. But that defense has made some plays this year, and they're better than advertised. If that defense had a competent offense on the other side, you might be giving more credit to that defense than, than most people do. It's not that bad at all. And they really played a hell of a game last night, I thought. And uh, you got to give credit to them in that department. Um, but it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be good enough. They've still, you know, as good as they've been, they still have allowed 24 a game. And that's mostly because their offense has put them in situations that they, you know, are at a disadvantage. And I got to say another thing. Now the defense played last night pretty well for the Giants. Honestly, not even pretty well. They played, they played good. Giants defense played good last night. Can't even, can't even knock it. Tyrod Taylor played a damn good football game last night. He had three or four dimes. And you want to know what? Daniel Jones hasn't had a game like that all year. He looked better last night than Daniel Jones has looked all year. And I wonder 
if that game's a bit different last night, as far as maybe the Giants losing worse if Daniel Jones is in there. Let me ask you this, just, just to back up what I'm saying here. Did you feel any less confident about the Bills in that game last night because Tyrod Taylor was starting? I didn't. In fact, I texted my dad as soon as the news came out that Daniel Jones wasn't playing, and I said, might be an upgrade. Tyrod is not, uh, we know this. Go back and look at his stats with Buffalo. He never turned the ball over. I think I saw this the other day. I can't, I can't remember the exact numbers. I'm almost positive that he didn't even have a, he didn't even have 10 collective interceptions when he was with Buffalo during his time, the three years or so. He didn't even have 10 collective interceptions. He was always a very good thrower of the football. I always loved his deep ball. And he was also a guy that was not going to, and we knew this. It was why the Bills made the playoffs and ended the drought when they did. All Tyrod had to do was not lose games, and he didn't. The Bills' defense was extraordinary, and that's what propelled them to the playoffs that year. Tyrod was a great game manager who did not put you in a bad spot. Always loved Tyrod. Loved him. Me and, me and all of our college buddies in, in college, we all had Tyrod jerseys. We wore them every week. We wore them everywhere. I was actually looking for it last night. I don't know where the hell it is because it was a color rush too. So it would have been like the perfect time to wear it. Tyrod's playing and the Bills are in the Reds. Bills need to upgrade the color rush too, by the way. I used to not mind the all red and now I don't know how I feel about it. The Giants uniforms last night, gas. Absolute heat. The throwback, the throwback, uh, Helmets, I will, my one critique though, why are you wearing a navy blue helmet with royal blue jerseys? The jerseys have royal blue accents, but the jerseys are navy blue. I, I, it's pretty, pretty sure that's what they used to wear back in the 90s, I guess, right? But if, if they would have just put the navy blue in the accents of the jerseys, those jerseys are heat. I once again, not in the middle of the season, so this is the last thing I'm going to bitch about, but just because it's on my mind right now, can we please, Buffalo, bring back a throwback like that? Everybody else is doing it. Bucks were in the creamsicles yesterday. Do it. I want to see it so bad. Maybe they'll play better with those. Who knows? Alton V, he's coming in. And he's saying, I'm still trying to figure out why people are getting mad at Diggs because he can actually catch what is thrown to him. Maybe if the others did, they get the ball more. Oh, I'm not. I, I don't know who's getting mad at Diggs. I'm certainly not. Diggs is the reason we win that game last night. I mean, 10 catches, 100 yards. The only one, he's the only person who did anything. My gripe, he can only do what, he, what, what, what is being asked of him. And what's being currently asked of him is to do almost everything. My gripe right now, Alton, is... Yeah, I want Diggs 10, 12 targets a game, right? I, I definitely want that. But I also don't want to see the second, mo the, the next highest reception number on this list be three. You know, Diggs has 10 catches and the, the collective, the collective receptions from every other receiver on this team is nine. That can't happen. I'm all for Diggs having the, the vast majority of the targets, the vast majority, majority of the receptions. That's what it should be. There also needs to be other stuff baked into this offense because you know what? You're going to get into a couple of games where there's going to be defenses good enough to be able to hinder, not take away. You're never taking away Diggs. You're not, you're not eliminating them. But there's going to be times when 
Diggs isn't going to have a 100-yard day or a 10-catch day. Then that's when that Dorsey's going to be tested. Where's the other Where's the other, you know, plays in the play sheet cooked up for guys other than Diggs? So my gripe is certainly not with Diggs catching the ball. I mean, it's literally the only thing that has been of of worthy of note the last 2 weeks, frankly, on this offense. My my thing is what's I need to see a bit more creativity with other guys. You have an extremely high highly paid tight end who when you know he's adequately involved we've seen with Knox he can be an absolute problem a big difference maker you draft what many perceive to be the best pass catcher in the entire draft this past draft in Dalton Kincaid they're not utilizing him at all and the best example I can give you last night he didn't play due to injury and you didn't was there a difference in in and what you noticed between him not being out there and what you noticed with him being out there as far as hearing his name? I mean, no. I think there was probably a difference in the way things were schemed up. I do think he opens the field up more when he's out there, certainly. But he's got to be used more than just a guy who's able to get everybody else open. He needs to be a focal point. I cannot, once again, I cannot go another game without seeing at least one catch from James Cook. They have got to be able to utilize they're running back in the fashion in which running backs are their most um, impactful in 2023. Running backs have to be as much of a, a part of your, your passing offense as they are in the run game. And to not have a single catch last night from a running back to me is disheartening because they've been doing a pretty decent job of it. And Cook has showed you he can be a major factor in the pass game. To not have a single reception is very unfortunate to me. So that's what I'm getting at, Alton. But I understand completely what you're saying, and I think you're dead on. Uh, Jack Balsar, he's coming in. Dorsey effed it up. Nobody's talking about it. Should have had three field goals last night. Two missed in the punt. from the, Now, the punt, that's a good, uh, a good point. And it was awfully confusing to me, and this is, I'm glad you're bringing this up here because I wanted to talk about this as well. Uh, uh, Jack would go on to say as well, a few more yards on each drive equals nine points. I completely agree. Now, the one thing that uh, you brought up there that I thought was really uh, interesting, they do punt from their 37, very non-Bills-like with the Josh Allen offense that we've become accustomed to. That's not very, uh, it's not very Bills-like to, to not even attempt a field goal from the 37, much less punt the ball away. It just doesn't seem like that's in the, their their uh, deck of cards as of late, right? Here's where I was the most confused. Why do you, in the beginning of the game, punt the ball from your 37, but at the end of the game, you kick the field goal from your 37 with Bass already having a miss from similar distance that same game? I know hindsight's 2020 and if and if Bass makes that kick you're never talking about this but you have an example of oh Dak Prescott putting on the putting on the wheels you have an example early in the game of a Bills team who punted in that exact scenario and I'm thinking to myself in the moment wouldn't you rather the Giants go the length of the field to score a touchdown in that situation, then start with the ball at the 50. Because if a miss is exactly what that would allow them to do, and that is exactly what happened. 
So I'm glad you bring that up because that to me, I don't know whose call that is in that moment. I don't know if that's a McDermott call, if that's a Dorsey call. I doubt Dorsey has the final say in what they do on fourth down. I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating, or I'm assuming rather that that's got to be a McDermott call. And I don't know what the mindset was. I get it. You make that field goal and the game's almost over at that point. But I, I think I trust my defense who had allowed up nine points up until that moment to stop the Giants in a minute and a half having to go the full length of the field in order to win that game. And you had already punted in that exact scenario earlier. Why not do it again? Adventures with smiles is saying real issues. Josh Allen put hot sauce in Pepsi. Yeah, I don't know what that was. I haven't seen much of that lately. Last week, two weeks ago, that was all I was seeing. I, I don't know what, what was going on with that. I'm not doing that. I'm a Diet Coke guy anyways. But that's a little much for me. That's a little too much for me. Um, I couldn't believe Bass, though, usually, even no, no matter how bad the Bills are playing or whatever, Bass is almost always the, the silver lining. Like He's always good. Stunned that he missed two last night. I mean, I get it. 52 plus on both of them, but 52 is like the new 40 in the NFL. Missing two was real, real tough from Bass last night. I mean, he's been on fire. That was a real uh, upsetting result from last night, watching him miss two. I got a feeling he'll get back on track. He's been great, but that was unfortunate. Uh, I got to tell you guys, I, I still can't believe the Bills won that game. I was fully ready to come on here and have the the rant of a lifetime. I mean, we we would have done gangbuster numbers on here. I know it, and, and, but it, at, at what cost? You know what I mean? That's what, that's what I always say. Everybody loves coming in here and watching me basically give myself a heart attack after a loss. That's what you would have gotten. You got a little bit of it tonight because it was basically a loss uh, optically, um, but I was I was ready. But it, it, they won it. I do like. <laughs> As soon as the field goal was missed, well, as soon as the the Knox drop happened, then I'm almost certain the Bills are missing the kick because that's just the way it goes. It's like a domino effect. It always seems to go that way. And then they miss the kick. And then the next domino to me is they're losing this game. So the, that, the domino goes down. The next domino would be, you know, them getting in a position to win it. They're in the red zone. The next domino would be, there it is. The, the fourth down pass interference, they're on the one-yard line. The next domino, of course, is the Bills lose this game. And the fact that that domino never fell, to me, sitting here today with that domino still sitting upright, it, I'm stunned. And, guys, I don't think we'll ever know the difference that that game's going to make. Well, we will know, I guess, at the end of the year. But I can tell you right now, I would imagine it's going to be awfully impactful. The difference between three and three and four and two feels seismic to me seismic especially let's go and take a look at the afc standings right now i mean guys i don't know if it clicked with to you last night but it certainly clicked to me had the bills have allowed you know say dable actually relied on his best offensive player last night and gave barkley the chance to win that game which is probably what i would have done um granted i went back and watched the highlights it did seem like if they ran the bills were going to blow it up but i just i gotta think in that scenario, I probably want to give it to my best player. I don't know. You're in a tough spot. The Giants just don't have a whole lot on offense. I get it, but whatever. Where my mind was last night, I was thinking, 
This pass gets completed, and the Bills are tied with the Jets in the division and the conference overall. That would have been our reality today. So that's why, even though I'm obviously like upset with where we're currently at, I can't be I can't be as upset as I would have been because holy hell, even the thought of that has me uh, ready to lose my lunch. I that's sickening. But anyway, so what I'm getting at here, I mean, that's the difference between three and three and four and two today. The Bills would have been tied with the Jets for third place in the AFC East. And if you look at it, I mean, the Bills right now are a game behind first place with just the Dolphins and the Chiefs in which they own the tiebreaker over the Dolphins and have the potential to own the tiebreaker over the Chiefs uh, as well when they see them uh, in about a month or so or two months, whatever it is. Uh, But they're tied with the Ravens, right? I mean, there's so many other teams that are either three and two or three and three that you really fall down into the bin of mediocrity almost you're just in the the wasteland of uh, like not having an idea what the hell is going to happen it's like you're completely in limbo you have no ability to control your own destiny for the most part if the other teams continue to do what they're doing now you know four and two as bad as it was you know you still play the dolphins again and you still play the chiefs so you really for the most part control your own destiny um the Jags, of course, they're four and two, so they they legitimately control their own destiny, I suppose. Either way, we're still too early to talk about that. But what I'm getting at is the difference between four and two and three and three is seismic. And I think we are going to look back on this come January and understand that it was a very impactful win, even though it was a horrendously looking win, nonetheless. So here we are, right? It's week six, uh, you know, coming to a close here with the Cowboys and the Chargers, and we're on to week seven. This is the last 1 p.m. game until after Thanksgiving. Uh, Just wild. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, and it is here, the Bills-Patriots game in Foxborough. This is the last 1 o'clock game in uh, just about two months, I think. So the Bills will play 1 o'clock this coming week against the Pats, and then it's Thursday night football. It's Monday night football. I actually, this doesn't say the the nights. I can't remember exactly what broadcast is. Either way, it's eight, it's 815, 820, 815, 425, 425, 425, 425, 8. I keep doing this. I keep saying till after Thanksgiving. I did this a couple weeks ago and I had to correct myself. I got to do it again. It's not till after Thanksgiving. It's until New Year's. New Year's Eve is the, the next time the Bills play a one o'clock game. And to even further the point of how long that is away from now, it's the next time they play the Patriots. Their only two remaining one o'clock games are both against the Patriots. So one o'clock here, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight consecutive uh, mid afternoon or primetime games. They are about to embark on a three game stretch that are all, every single one of these games is primetime. And uh, Two of the three, at least, you would think are auto W's. Now, after last night, I'm not saying they are, but the Vegas point spread will tell you the Bills should win handily. So I got it. Do I have it right here on one's what? I don't. Whatever. They're, they're primetime games. I know one of them's the Bucks is Thursday night. Almost positive the the Bengals is. Monday night, and then the Broncos is Sunday night. I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. But they'll be, they're home against the Bucks. They will be probably, 
anywhere between an eight to 10 point favorite. I would imagine in that game, they're on the road against the Bengals. Depending on how the next two weeks go, I would imagine the bills might be about a two to three point favorite, depending on what the bills do the next couple of weeks, depending on what the Bengals do the next couple of weeks. And then at home against the Broncos, I'm anticipating the, the the Chiefs got 10 against the Broncos. I bet the Bills get it right around the same. The Bills will probably be about a 10, 10 and a half point favorite against the Broncos. So, uh, you know, you got the Pats here. You can kick their ass, hopefully. And then you have two of the three primetime games coming up, an opportunity to really blow out a couple of teams that you have the ability to do that to uh, in a primetime fashion. But Look, it, I, I, I'm not going to be able to sit here and say the Bills are going to blow out anybody until I see it again. Um, these last two weeks have left a real sour taste in my mouth. Hopefully they can shove some mouthwash down my throat this coming week against the Pats, who everybody seems to be having their best day against this season. So 1 p.m. this weekend, Sunday afternoon against the Pats, and then, like I said, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 consecutive 425 or later games. That's nuts. That is unprecedented. That that is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen ever as Bills fans. We're going to finally understand what it's like to be a Cowboys fan over the next two months because they don't ever play at one. So this is what it's going to feel like. Weird, 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 weird. Um, But Bills currently nine and a half point favorites on the road against New England. And this is the opportunity to get it in gear. Come on, right? This is the week. The Pats can't do anything against anybody. Even against a a backup quarterback with the Raiders yesterday, they still couldn't get it done. Still couldn't find a way. This team has one win on the year over the, I still can't even believe that based on how things have gone, I still can't believe they've even won that game. They have one win on the year over the New York Jets by five points. This, This Patriots team has just been horrendous. So, We shall see, but a get right spot it is, and hopefully they can get right and they can parlay that into a great performance at home Thursday night on a short week against the Bucs, and then they got to take it into Cincy, and we all know how big that game is going to be for playoff seating and whatever else moving forward. So, like I said earlier, I don't know how much to take away from last night other than it was a victory. Right now, as it stands, I got three pretty crappy games from these Bills. I got three pretty unbelievable games from these Bills. This coming week's the tiebreaker. Let's see if they can push it in the direction that we hope that they can. That's going to do it for tonight. Hour and a half almost on the dot in the books. And hey, a win's a win. Last night sucked, but we got to talk about a W nonetheless tonight, folks. Four and two is a lot better than three and three. I'm glad we got to sit here tonight two games above 500 as opposed to sitting here at 500. Not good. Correct it next week. That's all I can hope for. Same time, same place next week. Monday night smoke break. We'll recap Patriots and Bills, and hopefully we have much more exciting things to talk about than what we saw last night. But in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. And as always, folks, go Bills.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.